Well, here's a bit of a surprise, folks. A final, final Patreon podcast in which Taryn Arnold interviews me. Here we go, guys, and thanks again for listening. You're listening to the Patreon Podcast. I'm John Miro, a Patreon creator, proud supporter of other creators, producer, and host of this show. Subscribe now to catch weekly interviews with your favorite creators, including extended, in-depth audio and video interviews with your favorite or new favorite Patreon creators. Find us at soundcloud.com slash Patreon and at youtube.com slash Patreon Command Center. Patreon, where creators tell their stories. Wow, this is so exciting to have the podcast man himself. This is so cool. Um, John Miro has been producing audio since 2009, specializing in interview and audiobook narrations. He also records interviews with creators, makers, and innovators, as he has done for Patreon for the last year. When he's not interviewing creators, he's recording audiobooks for Audible authors. When he's not recording for other authors, he's recording words he's written himself. John is a traditionally published and independent science fiction author. Find out more about his writing at patreon.com slash serving worlds. Writing and narrating audiobooks pays the bills, but he sees interviewing people, helping others share their stories as a passion and a skill and something that he loves. Now he's completed his time as Patreon's podcast interviewer. He's continuing to share other stories at patreon.com slash origin story. John. How did that feel? Best best intro of all time. I am this. I'm in the wrong seat. I'm so purple for flow. What do I say here? <laughs> you just say. You just let it pour out. Hey, Taryn, it's great to sit in the hot seat and be the person on the other end of the questions. I'm so happy to have you. I mean, this is your show, so really, you're just having me, and we're just kind of flipping flipping the the script here. But I'm really excited. Oh, I love it. It's I love Patreon. Genuinely, honestly, I, I the people in that building, they geek out for the creators and for creating fun <laughs> stuff. And you've been 100% from day one all on the creator side. And and so, yeah, it's easy to do this show and I loved doing it. I love it. I'm so glad that you did. We we have absolutely loved it as well. Um, what, what part of your bio um, is the most exciting part to hear read about you? Oh, the most exciting thing to hear about me, I think, is is probably that I, uh, I'm, I I love my writing. So it's nice to hear people on this show where I'm usually <laughs> the interviewer talking about servingworlds.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love the interviews. I love them so much. I love it so hard talking to people who, who maybe they're not 100% comfortable. And mm-hmm. my entire job is to make them feel comfortable behind the mic. And that may be great when I'm talking to a videographer, mm-hmm. but it's really hard when I'm talking to a world-famous knitter who makes a magazine for 20,000 other people on Patreon, (laughs) a scientist who really doesn't do this stuff, but loves it. So they genuinely put it into the world. And it's, it's like, you gotta, you got egos in your hands, man. And you gotta Mm -hmm. make sure they shine and it's a joy. Oh, what's, what's the number one thing that you do to make people feel comfortable? Like what's the, what's it? What's the, the John way? Oh, well, a long time ago, I used to, I used to be a teacher. So Mm -hmm. honestly, authentically, I tell them, look, I'm going to screw up as much as you are. I'm going to make, let's have a race to see who screws the first word up because I've got an edit (laughs) button that makes it all go away. And (laughs) I just want to have a great conversation with people and that makes them relax. And I I, I would like to think it's just that I'm authentic and I really want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, I think it is that. You can just tell. I mean, looking at you, but also your voice, you know, you can hear it in your voice, which is really a hard thing to communicate for most people. So I think you nail it. Thank you. 
Coming from <laughs> the boss that helped me build this show, that's compliment. Thank you. Oh, no, no. Um, so have you always been this passionate about creating? I mean, you seem like it just bleeds from you. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was in theater school before I graduated high school. Uh, I was going to be an actor. Uh, mm -hmm. And somebody said, you know, you wait 10, 15 years. You don't have a leading man face, but you got a great character face. So you wait, <laughs> you wait tables for 15 years. You live on dirt. You're going to have a great career. And I was like, bye, see ya. <laughs> Uh, so I got into IT and then I got into being a geek and then I got into commuting a hell of a long way. I live in Canada, yeah. big surprise for most of the people listening. Um, <laughs> and I worked for Research in Motion back when that was the, the, the earlier version of Apple. In between Microsoft and Apple, RIM was actually cool. Mm. And so I worked for them and it was a two hour commute each way. And that's when I found podcasting and I loved it. And then I just went for it. Who was the first podcast that you fell for? Well, the first podcast I listened to was like a husband and wife team called Don and Drew. And they would just honestly, they could talk about taking up the garbage or fighting about who got to do the chores around the house. And I'd love it oh. um, because they had that natural banter, the, the honest fun that people have in front of the microphone that is contagious to the person listening. And mm -hmm. it makes you forget the road rage, which is maybe the most important thing in a long commute. <laughs> and Scott Sigler. Uh, was the very first author that I ever fell for because he was yeah. the first author to ever do a podcast uh, of his own audiobook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was wow. great fun. Yeah, good stuff. That is the most fun. How, how, so then, so you kind of also been into podcasting all this stuff. How did you get into writing as well? Where did that come into things? Well, I was writing since I was in high school too, and I gave it up to become an actor. And after that, I went back to school and said, no, no, time to get a real job. And when I got my real job, I met the love of my life, my wife, Nikki, and mm -hmm. uh, I just gave up everything besides working for the man for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very fortunate to have her help me out, get back into writing, not even before I finished university. And I had, I had a few short stories published uh, by Daw and Houghton Mifflin and a couple other. And then... We had kids. Forget it. That's it. It's all over. <laughs> uh, then after the kids are like four or five and I get back into writing and everything because of the commute and the podcasting and the not going crazy and hitting other cars and um, started writing for myself and independently publishing even before the Kindle using the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, which Patreon makes so much easier. Um, <laughs> and then um, I, you know, I really enjoy interviewing. I got into doing that as well as recording my own audio stuff to pimp my own servingworlds.com. Um, work. Mm -hmm. Then Kindle came along and audiobooks, and I realized I had the skills not only to write my own, but to read for other people. And I do that all under somebody wow. else's name because you don't. Uh, I have one book for another author under my name, and it confuses the hell out of the people who go to find my stuff. <laughs> and there's this paranormal romance that I voiced. This is one of my earliest days. So I said, all right, pseudonyms for that. So actually, Patreon is the first, pl first place people have really got to hear my work outside of the genre of science fiction and fantasy doing my own thing. Another thing I'm grateful to Patreon wow. for. Wow. H how did Patreon get into all this? Where did you meet Patreon and begin this beautiful marriage? Uh, being an incredibly social media crazy person, being somebody, well, my, 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 my wife's father had a little tiny apartment in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And he had that for a number of years. So we would put like, you know, five people into two bedrooms. <laughs> the typical do anything you can to get away vacation. Uh, yeah. And... My kids, my kids were just, they, they wouldn't sleep. They were too young. So I'd take them for long walks and they'd fall asleep halfway back. They'd be over one shoulder. I'd be listening to podcasts. And uh, one of the first podcasts to pick Patreon 
was Tom Merritt, who was also one of my first interviews for the show. Tom Merritt does the Daily Tech News show, which is a show he built from scratch after people said he should try Patreon and mm. he'd left his old gig. He's an incredibly capable commentator, technologist, historian. He's a writer as well. And he's very, very well known for being a compassion giving helpful person. Mm -hmm. uh, and he took to it and he instantly made a living wage. And I followed mm. a few other people. I jumped in instantly made, you know, a very respectable amount of income. And now I make several hundred dollars every month from it. And uh, I really feel a great respect for people who make things easier for other. And I've always said Patreon just gets out of the way and lets people talk to their creators and creators talk to their supporters. And mm. it, was, it was a no-brainer. And I've yeah, recommended yeah. and actually helped several other people who are doing better than me monthly <laughs> to create their own podcasts, including a horror writer you, named Mike Bennett. Do you think some of that is due to having a, like a pseudonym elsewhere too? Do you think that people might just not know you and... and under uh, your name? Well, I think the the synonym is mostly for other people's recordings, but I I get uh, I'm I hopefully I'll get back just before I started working for Patreon full time and and part of the you know we're separating ways and it's a perfect time to do it because I'm now making more money from audio narration than around fiction and I want to switch that on its head. Wow! And so um, it's a good time to step back from doing a regular gig for a, co a company like Patreon, which I will still always sing your praises. Um, but mm. I'm looking forward to actually making more. Now, I have my first traditionally published novel in a long time coming out with Severed Press. Congratulations. So, thank you. It's nice. I was convinced to dump dump only being an independent and, and be a hybrid. It sounds very, very cool. I'm a hybrid <laughs> author now. And so I'll be continuing to publish my own stuff, but I'm also in the fall putting out my first book for Severed. Uh, it's just military science fiction. So I'm looking forward Ooh. to real action, slam bang, Michael Bay space stuff. Wow. How do you translate that into, I mean, Michael Bay situation, how do you translate that into text? I you mean, I'm what? sure that's like a process. Narrating is hell. It's awesome, yeah. but it's it's like a stage play. You have to – I don't do accents and I don't do special effects which change my voice and have pew, pew, explosions in the background. <laughs> I read the straight narration and I have all the respect in the world for audio dramas who can very capably employ six or eight authors – uh, mm -hmm. who can uh, get, uh, a, in addition to staff writers, they have six or eight voices on staff and, and a specialized uh, audio producer who just, you know, he'll layer 30 tracks just to make it sound like you're walking through the room and you can hear the person breathing and you can hear the plane going. But just speaking and narrating is some, that's half the battle is, is making yeah. people just get lost in your voice. And, yeah. and it's so much fun to do. As you can and tell, I'm, I talk a lot faster in yeah. an interview than in books. I was going to say, I'm sure that what what so much of your uh, or how you make creators comfortable and how you like draw out these stories is because you're such a creator yourself. You can hear it in the way that you talk and the the things that you care about. And obviously, everything you do outside of the podcast is just like breathing creativity. What what is there something that a creator has said to you that? even through your life of being a creator stuck out to you as like, wow, I'd never thought about it this way. I think that, that, that affected my life that somebody said that reflected something about what I'm doing would, I think honestly, it's the communication mm. and part of the reason I'm so good at narrating other authors work as well as interviewing people, which as you know, is a passion. If I haven't said that enough, mm -hmm. I really want that communication that, I want to get something out of everything I get across. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear a lot of authors who read 
uh, to themselves aloud, even if they're not podcasting, even if they're employing their own narrators, because when you write something versus say something, it just employs a different part of your brain. Hmm. And and I learn stuff about my own work when I narrate for servingworlds.com. Um, and when I hear other people talk to me and watch them light up and I try to find the next logical question and I can see them, the best thing, I guess, is it's what I've said is that well, you, you ask really good questions and you really helped me explain what I've had a lot. I've just pointed people to your interview now. Mm. And that makes me feel good. Oh, that must feel so, so awesome. Is there a creator that you... St- when you like lay back at the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm so happy I got to talk to this creator through the Patreon podcast who has been one that's really stuck out to you. Yeah. You know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson was a blast to talk to, but I have to say within two days, the first interviews I did for Patreon were Tom Merritt, who is such a gentleman. I've had him on for, he's, he's worked with other people and helped them create their own Patreons and cooperated on Patreons with other people. So I've heard him a couple times now. And he's very giving and he's very, very facilitating of other people's success. And that was a joy. Mm-hmm. But the very first interview I ever did was with uh, Lindsay Doe, who runs Sexplanations, mm-hmm. which is a Patreon video show about explaining sex to people. And she mm-hmm. came over from Subbable. And mm-hmm. uh, I spoke to her right when she was explaining how she was diving into Patreon and and she was watching her go from tentative. You were talking about sex. She's great. She can make it, you know, no problem. This goes on this and this and the don't flip on that and everything's great and you'll be happy. <laughs> but she felt you could see there's a little bit of, I like to say the same things all the time, but we had a great talk and it was mm. so much fun. And the timber of her voice changed. And I got her to talk about her own, what she wants to do next with the show. Mm. And I think. Yeah, Lindsay Doe and Sexology uh, Sexplanation stands out because she was she just showed me what this show we made could be. Wow, wow, that is so exciting. Do you when when you started doing the Patreon podcast, how did you decide what type of people you wanted to talk to? How did you decide who you assumed would have like the best things to say? Yeah, I first full. I got to give you and uh, Jack Conti and. Tyler, my gosh, you mm. guys were so great because I walked in. Nobody knows this, I don't think. I walked in and I said, you need a podcast and I'm <laughs> going to build it. And here's how it's going to run. And you guys said, well, ex- make sure you know what you're doing. Explain to me. Yeah, you know what you're doing. All right, hands off. And <laughs> yeah. what I said is, you got to give me editorial control. And you let mm-hmm. me, you fools. Uh, <laughs> and the reason I asked for that was because I wanted to build a show that talked to all kinds of people. I, I didn't like statistically say I need seven women and eight men or anything like that. I said, I need to get very different guests. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show all the different flavors and textures of Patreon. Like I said, sewing, uh, knitting magazine enthusiasts, scientists. Mm-hmm. I've had rock stars. You know, talking to Amanda Palmer was a lot of fun, even mm-hmm. though she had Lyme disease and was pregnant and was really miserable. What, a, what, a, she didn't cancel the interview. Great, great interview. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I decided was that Patreon is not only what people are well known for. They're not just mm. podcasters or webcomic illustrators. And right up to the uh, last of our contract, I wanted to make sure I didn't just get webcomics. I got traditional graphic novelists that have won mm. Eisner Awards. And I went out and I found her. And I said, you have to interview with me, Linda. And she's like, I don't do interviews and I don't even have a Twitter account. I said, get on the show. 
and and I've, she had a great time and she's got something really good to add so i tried to find people that aren't polished that aren't at the top of their game people that have got dozens or hundreds of patrons people who are really popular in their own right um but that was just as important to me as getting the amanda palmers or mm -hmm. greg miller kind of funny mm -hmm. great interview really funny but he knows what he's doing he's got a completely built set and he's got tens of thousands of followers totally and Patreon is also able to make the person who's just got their act together, just spent a few months or a couple of years building their shtick, knows what they're making, and then gives them the complete infrastructure to just lay off of having to find an advertiser a little bit and ramp up to make something even better, take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So totally. that, that's, I just wanted everyone. I, I love that. Is there, it, it sounds like, uh, you talked to so many people that had have so many different uh, sizes of followings, I guess. Mm -hmm. What do you think is, well, actually, I'm going to back up. So one of the challenges that we run into at Patreon is having the same type of advice for any size creator that you are. Like you could be a mega creator. You could be someone that's just starting out. It's really hard to find something when people say, what's the secret to success on Patreon? It's hard to find a heartbeat. It's mm -hmm. something that really like travels throughout all types of creators and different mediums and audience sizes and, and what have you. I wonder, is there anything that stuck out to you, like some type of heartbeat through all the different interviews that you had that seemed like, oh, this is what people are doing on Patreon that works? This is awesome. It's a great question. Mm. When I started the first six or seven interviews, I asked a variation of that question and I got the same consistent answer from all of them, but a different piece of advice about how to action it. And the answer mm. that I ended up working into the question, if you guys are listening and you've been listening to the show, you know this, forgive me for being boring, but here we go. You have to have a backlist. You have mm -hmm. to make sure you've been doing it for a while and you've proven your credibility, your consistency. That's mm. it. Then it comes down to however you're comfortable doing it, consistency, credibility, backlist, and then make it your own. And that was the best advice anyone could give, which is mm -hmm. find that comfort level. If your favorite thing is to write a poem to one level of patron support once a month, or a dirty limerick more likely, um, <laughs> then do it. But for other people, it was a postcard from other parts of the world that they visited. And for other people, it was, you know, quick sketches. And it all comes down to knowing your audience. So the one mm. piece of advice is to thine own self and those crazy, crazy people that follow you be true. Yep. That, that is great advice. I feel like that is the thing. It's, it's, you know, Patreon is the place for your biggest fans. These are your most devoted people. And so it's basically just learning how to capture that and how to keep it going, which is, um, which is really special. Is there a certain way that talking to this, these creators has changed the way that you use Patreon, the way that you create in general? I think Patreon has. Well, first of all, I really, really get annoyed with Patreon because it's made me create origin story. Patreon.com <laughs> slash origin story. There's my second pimp for the day because I'm not <laughs> going to stop doing them. I just have to slow down and do fewer of them. But I'm mm. still going to do a couple original interviews a month. Uh, and I want people's help because um, now I've decided that telling those stories is something that is just as important as telling my stories. Mm. And quite as I'm really into my own stories, but it's something <laughs> that I can't give up on. Uh, yeah. So, so for me, it's come down to always finding that new voice and helping them uh, express themselves. And yeah. I may not have the reach of Patreon's audience right now, 
but I think I'm going to build it up pretty quickly with goodwill and good work and help people find out how to be a Kickstarter, Patreon, indie artist, how to build a community that feels right for them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. What has your relationship with your patrons or your fans changed and, and molded into since bringing them onto Patreon and bringing them to something like Patreon? I average between 70 or 80 of my truest fans every month. And mm -hmm. um, that's out of 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 monthly listeners. It fluctuates. Mm -hmm. I focus more on Patreon. I focus more on getting my books published because there was a long time that I was focusing on the podcast and the podcast is a means to an end and it's very easy for anybody who's creating youtube videos to forget who's creating a podcast to forget what's the end goal to find a way to make more of these things that you love and to make mm -hmm. better more interesting to hone in on which part of the show that is great is going to continue um and for me i focused on those 70 or 80 people that follow me every month and mm -hmm. i've been really fortunate that they give me great feedback they really to 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 have five people, five people, just five go, holy crap, I cannot believe the twist you pulled at the end of that episode. <laughs> and I know that if only 70 or 80 people follow me, but hundreds are buying my books and thousands are li listening every month, then mm -hmm. I have really pulled the wool over somebody's eyes. I have, you know, somebody's, you know, just about wet themselves because I've given them what they wanted or what they never thought was going to happen. And that totally that feels so good. And it's a focus group of who's most keyed to my sensibilities, I think. That's so interesting. Do you think that that, I don't think that that's like traditional fandom, you know, traditional fandom and the way that people understand fans right now in the world is like, oh, I listen to your playlist on Spotify or, you know, I, I read your blogs once a year or whatever it is like you or i i think you're hot and i posted a picture of you on twitter and said oh you're so attractive you know whatever it is yeah. that's like what fan is now but you're yeah. talking about a different type of fan that is almost like like a it's like a team it's like these are like your people that are a, a part of what you're doing they're not just like watching absolutely not they're uh, mm. Some people call them the 10,000 true fans to build a career. Some people say super fans. Some people say people that really don't follow. They really get into it and they give it a mm -hmm. name. Um, you know, people that will, you know, the, the, the Sig, Scott Sigler, he calls his the junkies, the original junkies because they come back every week for their hit. Um, they identify for whatever reason, whatever part of it is, there's something in the meat of that relationship that makes them come back again and again and again. I have people that will tune in every week and buy my book in Kindle, and buy my book on Audible, and mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe they'll buy it again when it comes out in an omnibus. These are right. people that are invested in making me succeed because they could have anything in their Spotify, anything in their playlist, but they found a flavor they like, but they've also found a relationship. They, I, they can tell when I've had a good week or a bad week sometimes because the show may be a day late, a day early, and they'll check in with me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it is truly a different kind of fandom it's it's definitely a two-way street fandom right for yeah. sure how you talked a lot about focus and deciding what to focus on how do you decide as a creative which seems like the wildest uh type of mind which we, i mean a lot of people in our office are creatives and creators themselves so i know how this is but I don't know how, how Patreon do functions. How does that office function at all? <laughs> it's, it's so funny. This, we have a good mix, but that is my question to you. As a creator yourself who does so many different types of things, how do you decide what to focus on? 
You have to have gut checks with yourself. I have a wife and three children that need to be fed. <laughs> That's a great gut check to record somebody else's audiobook instead of putting out extra chapters of my own. Right. Um, but when it comes down to when you have cut out the time in your life, carved out and been paid by Patreon or a Kickstarter or by book sales to write mm -hmm. the next book, then you have to decide, okay, I don't want to blow it. I want to make something that's really great. I want to make something that makes me bigger success, but I want to tell a good story. So you have to decide for each book, what am I going to hit? Mm -hmm. And and it's more often than not, it's going to come down from being authentic and being who you are. You can hear, you, you hear it from authors all the time. If you try to create the next Twilight, well, who's talking about Twilight anymore? Yeah. You, if you try to hit the moving target of success, you're always going to miss the mark. Right. So you do a gut check. And sometimes I am not in any way considering myself a sellout. I'm very proud of the fact that Severed Press took me on to write. I'm writing about space marines. Oh. And this is a target, Martin, target audience, people who really love. And Severed Press is very good at creating like apocalyptic fiction or zombie mm -hmm. fiction. These, these diehard kind of like really chewy meaty visceral adventures just like mac bowen you know the execution all those old dime mm -hmm. store pulp novels for a new yeah. age and and so i made that but it still made it very much my own kind of story and i talked to the talk to the readers the listeners of my work in this new setting so mm. it's a balancing act you've got to try to create something people want and what steve jobs apple always said the customer doesn't know what they want so you also have to try to give them something original is heartfelt right balancing act yeah. <laughs> and you are the master balancer. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge of being a creator is right now in the world? What do you think the number one challenge is? Well, the number one challenge is the same as it's probably always been. If you're creating something, there's 50 other people that have something like what you have. And they may be mm -hmm. huge companies or they may have a local market or a, a local resource locked up. Mm -hmm. It's hitting your head against the wall until you succeed. Mm. And it's keeping your head above water and keeping your kids fed and keeping your spirits filled up, and keeping your body from falling into a fat piece of whatever sits behind the keyboard until you make it to that successful point. Mm. And it's just, if you love it, if people react to it and feed you, then you keep going. Mm. But it's not easy. There are days, it's, Christ, I don't want to write. Maybe I'll go get a job. Who needs a dog walker? Maybe I get a job working <laughs> for the city. But I don't because there's always another book contract to secure. There's another, another narration to fall back on for another author. But mm -hmm. I love that very much too. So you just got to keep going. It's mm. going to be lean sometimes, but people get laid off from traditional jobs all the time too. There's no guarantees anymore. So why mm -hmm. not be worried about doing something you love? Mm. And the people that follow me on Patreon have really helped me out. Is there a super memorable interaction with someone that follows you on Patreon or a patron that you have? Some Something that really stuck with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to screw over Patreon here. Patreon is an amazing <laughs> company that has trouble sometimes with their infrastructure, just like everybody. Yes, we do. Yes, and we do. There may be a few patrons who I didn't notice had a card decline a few months in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I actually made a joke once and I felt terrible. But the Patreon, one of the patrons realized, oh, he means me. And this is in my patron feed. Oh, my gosh. Uh, next thing I know, I'll log on. There's like, oh, here's six months worth in one month. I'll drop it down in a couple months. But here you go. Just get back. I'm really sorry. Aww. Think about the commitment that involves. Like if you like your favorite author, wow. sometimes you go to the library and you buy the hardcover instead of the paperback, right? <laughs> this guy yeah. just bought, and I've had a couple do this, months worth of the wow. hardback 
to make up for because he wants to see me get on my feet. I'm a real person to my followers. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my followers follow me, get the robe, <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid. But I'm really grateful that they have gone so far out of the way to, you know, find value in what I create and, totally. and return that value in kind. Help me. Hey, I paid for all my car repairs last month just on Patreon. My kids can drive safe in that creaky old minivan. Oh, that's the best news ever. <laughs> Is there, I, if, if there was a creator that just was getting started, maybe somebody who wanted to start writing, someone who wanted to start podcasting, um, but they looked around and saw the craziness of every competing creator in the world. Um, what would you say to them to tell them to get started or to help them feel a little bit less scared about jumping in? Nike nailed it. Just do it. There's no <laughs> easy advice. You find what you want. You look at what works. You find where there's overlap. You take your notes. You start. And it sucks, but you do it anyways. And you make mistakes and your audio is not good. Or the Kindle file you uploaded, the formatting isn't good. Or if you're a YouTube videographer, you can't afford good lights and the first couple of videos look bad. But you build them and you keep going. Because if you never mm. stop, you never improve. If you never start, you never improve. Mm. And you just stay in, you just stay at fire in the belly, excited about what you're doing until other people join on and they get their fire in the belly for you too. Mm. Man, that is really good advice. I feel like I keep getting knowledge dropped, knowledge bomb dropped by you. <laughs> I mean, how could you not though? You know, you talk to the people that do this all day for a living and you do too. I mean, how could you not know this stuff? It has been a pleasure. I, I mm. started interviewing in 2010. Um, mm-hmm. I've done some private contracting work in various fields in the same reaction. Uh, but then Patreon is concentrated dose of interviewing. And, you know, I felt like this is my NPR. It's the training mm-hmm. in the field. And I, you know, you get really into it and it's a skill that develops. And and I really think empathy is a big part of it. You can't interview mm. people and not care how they do. You really root for people to succeed. Another mm. reason I asked for you to let me pick the people and I did my best to diligently pick some, pick a mix of people from all over because I cared. And yeah. it's great to do a job you care about. Totally. Uh, around, surrounding, I guess, empathy, this is like a good lead into what, what other attributes do you respect or try to emulate in yourself, your work? Empathy seems like a really, really good one, though. Empathy is awesome. But you know what's even better? Being a hard worker. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to, you know, not go to the gym after the long wedding party weekend. It is so easy mm-hmm. to to just kind of lay off and just do a good enough job. And maybe you can get away with that if you're a, a day wage earner at a job for a big company. And you only have to be on three or four days a week. But if mm-hmm. you want to build a following of people who enjoy and respect and support your work, you got to really bring your A game as much as you can. Mm. So hard work and just finding the grit to keep going when you're tired. And, you know, caring is good. Empathy is good, too. Totally. And and you've been going at this for a while. What What pushes you to keep going? Every once in a while, someone will sign up to become a new patron. Outside mm. of Patreon... Some months, one of my stories really does well, and I've got another 150 people listening every month. Mm -hmm. Or that feeling when you're on social media and somebody says, holy crap, you're not listening to Surfing Worlds? That guy writes great stories. Mm. The fact that you're doing something that makes a difference, Mm. you're, you're, you're putting a bigger dent in the wall all the time. Mm-hmm. And and also seeing the people I came up with getting ahead 
really makes me feel good. Helping people, I'm helping my peers learn how to crack the code of a good audio book, a good podcast. So people, yeah. people really make the difference. Yeah. I, I just started putting videos out on YouTube myself, like probably a month ago. And I can't even tell you the second that you get a nice thing, a nice comment, and some, someone just saying like, Hey, I like your stuff or like, wow, you're so fun to watch or whatever. You're all of a sudden, like, I will do a hundred more videos for that person alone. Yeah. You know, every time someone reaches out to you, because when you pour out work into the page, into the computer, into YouTube, it's an empty sucking void. Much of the time mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. put out 20 videos and hear nothing. And, oh, look, I have three subscribers this month added to the total. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this again? Then you have that one follower, that one spike, that, that one comment. Yeah, they really reacted to something that I thought was important, that I thought was worth really taking that extra minute to get right. That little gimmick in the my last video, it landed. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm reinvigorated. Let's do it again. Yep. Totally. I, man, it means so much. I don't know what it is. I think that everything is such a, you're totally right. Everything is such a shout into the void that when you just feel for a second that it's not just you talking to a computer or microphone or whatever, and it feels like there's someone on the other end of it, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this forever. That's the big problem with the internet. It allows yeah. so many people to become uh, self-sufficient or, or at least part of their income from what they love. But mm -hmm. the flip side of it is if you open up a guitar stand, another interview, I really enjoyed talking to Nate Maingard. He's a musician mm -hmm. who uses Patreon uh, and I've started to become him. That was the downside of being the narrator. I've supported like about 15 people that I've interviewed. <laughs> I was um, just going to ask you about that. <laughs> it's dangerous. Uh, but uh, he, he puts his guitar out. He just did a busking show. He's up for, you know, trying to get votes for a video. You see him physically there, people walking by, ignoring him, some people watching. Occasionally, somebody will throw, you know, a coin down. At least you see that 20 times in a show. If it's two hours and 2,000 people go by, you remember the 20 times. Mm. When you're standing in front of your keyboard or taking your videos, there is nothing on the other side but glass or keys. Mm -hmm. So when people take that time, it just reminds you, no, I am not throwing money down a well. I am not throwing my time into the vortex. And mm -hmm. yes, I do freaking love what I'm doing and I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling inspired to make a video about this very topic. I might have to do it and I'll send it to you. <laughs> I want to shout out. Okay, you got it. Um, is there, what, what creator have you started supporting since, you know, doing the Patreon podcast or bringing in the Patreon community that has like really excited you or someone that you're just like, man, I can't believe I wasn't supporting you my whole life. You just feel like your dollar goes the farthest. Yeah. Well, if you're a movie geek at all, you should probably check out every frame of painting. Mm -hmm. This is an amazing, oh my God. Okay. Every frame of painting is a YouTube video series. They're video essays about the cinematographers and the movies that we love or ones that we've never heard of that this is what this element is. This is that you've seen this done in 50 films. Here's how it works. Here's why I really hate Michael Bay. Here's why <laughs> this is a great way to, you know, and, and he, he breaks it apart and he talks about the scenery, the, the cinematographer. He knows the names of the, the, the people who pioneered film techniques and he shows mm -hmm. it to you in loving, fun ways. It doesn't feel like homework and sucks mm -hmm. you in. And Nate Mangard, amazing spiritual music, just a great guy to listen to. Mm -hmm. And a guy that I invited on to Patreon, and I actually, I've helped design a few campaigns for people, uh, Mike Bennett, who's 
a horror writer. And I'm not big into horror, but it's <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor and a great sense of risk. So you care about the characters. I'm all about mm. the characters in my own writing, too. So I follow him to Mike Bennett. Excellent mm. work. If are, are there creators since you've been in the Patreon ecosystem that aren't on Patreon that you're like, I would give my left foot to get you on Patreon? My God. Yes, there definitely are. Yeah. Being a podcaster, what I love more than anything is the fact that a podcaster is that two-way street we're talking about. And there are authors, there are audio podcasters. I'm going to be talking, uh, I'm going to be talking to the creator of We're Alive for an upcoming origin story. Mm-hmm. And it, they put together a zombie show. That was, mm. he, he, he wrote this originally to be, uh, Casey Wayland wrote this originally to be like a TV show. And then The Walking Dead came out. Nobody was going to create a new one for a while. He's created this as an ongoing series of closed end, but stacked on top of each other adventures in a post-apocalyptic world. But mm-hmm. again, it's the characters and it's sumptuous, elegant, beautifully done uh, sound work. So you can hear the creak of the stair in the back mm. of the, and it just really touches you. Um, I think Scott Sigler, who makes a killing in advertising with his podcast, uh, and he's very loyal and dedicated to his fans, could really mm. do himself a service by joining Patreon. And there are so many others. There, I, 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 my favorite thing was seeing reporters and citizen journalists join Canada Land up in my home mm. and native land has really covered media criticism in Canada. I talked with the Asheville Blade, and he, that's a local paper from Asheville, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Or Gita Dial, who's decided to become a Patreon uh, supporter, uh, uh, sorry, creator, because she's a music journalist who really wants to dig into long-form pieces that the magazines didn't really want anymore. They want the sound bites. And yeah. for every one I just mentioned, there's five more just like them that should take advantage of Patreon. Totally. What type of creator do you think works well on Patreon? Just from what you've seen, I mean, there are successful creators in every category by far. And I know that I'm on the marketing team. I make sure that I pay attention to things like this. But from who you've talked to, is there someone that is just a no brainer type of category? I always think podcasters really fall in in that category. For the category, it would be the YouTube video maker, you know, Mm -hmm. of video vlogging of themselves and Mm -hmm. uh, slightly maybe two cameras maybe slight effects but mostly people that are very comfortable being intimate and authentic with the camera mm. uh, not intimate that's another category of patreon um, <laughs> and the podcasters who are very good at conveying with their voice and it's really hard being a narrator i've listened to a lot of audio books for my job yeah. my main job but it really kills me when you hear a bad stilted narration of a beautiful book that you were looking forward to Oh, so there's, yeah, it's all robotic and you're just like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And it all comes back to authentic, committed, passionate, and they Mm -hmm. stick it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Let me see. Is there anything else we've got? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Mm. Uh, Thank you everyone who listened to this podcast, hundreds of you listening every, every week, every month. And I really appreciated your time and energy. You can find more of my interviews at patreon.com slash origin story with an i because i had to be like Flickr and google origin story (laughs) s-t-o-r-i and i love telling stories of my own so find me at patreon.com slash serving worlds i've been telling stories since 2009 and i don't plan on stopping anytime soon john you should never ever ever stop you are such a great storyteller it has been an absolute pleasure to work alongside you i'm so happy to have you as part of the patreon crew as always you 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 we have so many stories within these walls that need to be told and you just have done such a lovely job doing it 
Thanks, Taryn. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks you for the freedom and thanks for the trust to get it done. You got it. Awesome. Thank you.